Hello and welcome to Story of the Book, where middle grade YA and picture book authors tell the stories of their books from beginning to end. I'm Hayley Chewins, I write books about magical girls with secrets. And I'm Lindsay Eager, I write books about growing up in this weird, wondrous world. And we're so very happy to have you here. Let's get started. Um, okay, so we're just going to dive into <laughs> our mini-sode. Okay, Lindsay, I wanted to ask you about pacing because in my mind, your books are so beautifully paced. They are slow when they need to be slow and they are fast or tense when they need to be tense. And I actually don't think that a book needs to be a complete page turner to be good. I mean, I love a good page turner, but I don't think every book is a page turner. Mm. Um, I think that with each of our books, we need to find the spaces that it feels good to be a bit slower and then the spaces when it feels good to be a bit faster in the pacing. So yeah, how do you decide when to be slow, when to be fast, and how do you figure out pacing in your books? The first thing that I thought about um, when you mentioned, when you said pacing was I thought about Studio Ghibli movies, Hayao Miyazaki movies, because Years and years ago, when my oldest was like three, I decided we would watch all of those movies together. And some of them would be described as really slow. Like Kiki's Delivery Service has a lot of really slow, quote, slow parts. My Neighbor Totoro has a lot of really, quote, slow parts. Um, And she loved them and I loved them and I loved watching them as an adult. especially. And, uh, I read an interview with Hayao Miyazaki who created a lot of the most like iconic studio Ghibli movies. And he was, he had been asked the same question about pacing in his movies and how often there are what an American audience might call like dead space in those movies like moments or scenes where a character is just sort of there's some some beautiful shots of kiki just kind of laying back in the grass on this grassy hill um, or sitting at a park or kind of just sitting in her bedroom looking kind of tired and overrun um and my neighbor totoro has lots of scenes where the the sisters are just kind of like playing pretend and it doesn't actually quote add anything to the plot it's just kind of some wonderful moments where the characters just can breathe. And he mentioned, and I'm going to butcher this. So I'm going to be very careful because I think some of it has to do with a part of um, Japanese arts culture that I for sure do not understand. But he mentioned that in Japanese music as well, um, there's a word for it. um, And, and the word basically means the spaces between the notes um, and that he not talking about a rest, which is written into a song's meter, you know, the meter of a measure, a rest, but simply that flash of silence that you get between notes, no matter how fast they're going, that if you sort of zoomed in on a, like on a microscopic level, there's spaces between the notes and that what he wanted to capture was those spaces between the notes. So I think about that so much, especially writing middle grade, because I think um, the type of middle grade that I want to write and like to write is for sure influenced by Hayao Miyazaki movies in in one way or, or the other. Um, so I just love the idea of space between the notes. If the notes are plot points or 
you know, like capital P plot points. Um, those spaces between the notes are what make up everything else besides the plot points. And I don't read a book just for plot points, because if I was, then I would read a summary or I would read a bullet list or uh, like, uh, yeah, I, I would have somebody recap it for me. I wouldn't need the immersive experience of, of being in the book. There's so much more to a book than plot. Um, so that was the first thing that I thought of. And the second thing that I thought about was um, how many times I've read a book or seen a movie that's, that's pure action and should be like breakneck page turning speed. And I've been so bored, <laughs> so bored. So it's weird that like, we've, I might be using this word wrong conf conflagrated. Is that the right way to say that word? Con Conflated? I was thinking of like a different word, but yeah, but yeah, let's go with conflated. Maybe that's what I meant. It's weird <laughs> that we've conflated um, pacing with action and, and action meaning like gunslinging, running, chasing, hijinks, action. When like plot and story are made up of so much more than that. And pacing also is so much more than that. I mean, like I'm thinking about the Twilight books. I'm thinking about how the first two thirds of the first book is so is paced so wonderfully, and yet there's no action. There's no like like diehard esque action that comes at the end of the book when there's like a kidnapping and some violence and some threats, and it, and it's not it's not as powerful as the first two thirds of the book where the whole question is are they going to get together or not? Like, are they like, you know, so, so that's a great example of incredible pacing that doesn't have anything to do with the kind of action that we're, we're used to. So I, I do think it's all about um, compensation. So if you have slower scenes that don't have physical action, then in order to keep the pacing up, you've got to ramp up the emotional action. Um, it's all trade-offs. So you can have breakneck tension and pacing in your books with no, not a gun in sight or not a chase scene <laughs> in sight because you heighten other things. So I think that's something that I instinctively understand. Well, do you think that we conflate action and tension when actually those two things can stand quite separately? So yes. you can have you can have action and tension, which is great, but you can also have action without tension, which is when you're bored, which is when like the fight scene has been going on for 20 minutes and you know all the main characters are going to survive. Yes. And it's just choreography. Or you can have tension where nothing's really happening. Maybe two characters are just sitting in a room not saying anything. Yep. But because of the way you've set things up, there's a huge amount of tension. That's exactly it. And it, and, and all of that has to do with, I mean, the, the, I think the way that you create tension or conflict is by um, understanding and communicating what the stakes are for each character. I, I mean, immediately I thought about why I personally, I want to be really careful saying this because I don't want to knock on an entire subgenre of films, but I have a hard time with superhero movies. Like um, Same. Because, I yeah, because I feel like I like I'm, I'm sure they're paced wonderfully, but I feel like because I kind of I know the stakes and I kind of already know like Superman's always going to survive in the end. 
because mm-hmm. they're not going to yeah. kill Superman. There are no weaknesses. <laughs> yeah. Or even if there are weaknesses, um, they're going to be uh, like, I, I just have a hard time watching like New York city get destroyed once again, only to know that it will all be reset by the next installment. Mm-hmm. And I uh, like, I, again, I, I'm sure I'm oversimplifying a, a subgenre of movie that, that has a lot more, um, a lot more craft about it than that. So I don't want to offend anybody who loves those and could probably set me exactly straight, but, but that's, you absolutely um, hit the nail on the head with as far as conflating or confusing action for tension. Um, There's a huge difference. Just like, just like you can also sit through a movie that is people sitting around in a room or a book that's just people sitting around being unhappy with each other and think, oh, this is going to be inherently interesting because I'm subverting the idea of what pacing is supposed to look like. But again, if you don't have tension, then it is just people sitting around squawking at each other and it's, and it's very boring and it's very, it it becomes the cliche of what um, very highbrow literary work is trying to do. So I love that you pointed that out because that's exactly it. Well, I also think, I think there's something, I think that sometimes people phrase things as this book was too slow when what they mean is more, I didn't care about this book, <laughs> Yep, <laughs> which is fine. Yep. Um, but I think, yeah, because I think that sometimes there can be a lot happening in a book and even there can even be tension in the sense that there are stakes or, yeah. you know, like someone someone stands to lose out or something could be lost or you know um something terrible could happen but if you don't care about the characters yeah then you also you there's still no tension so yeah yeah I think it is interesting how pacing becomes I think kind of a almost like a blanket criticism for a book like this book was too slow like that's the thing that oftentimes people comment on first yeah um and yeah, sometimes that is true that the book is just too slow for you. But yeah. I do think that you're right, that pacing and stakes and tension and the characters, just how much you care about the characters. Yeah. It influences how slow the book feels. Yeah. 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 Pacing is interesting because it is, I think at its core, it's a craft question that has the most to do with the experience of the reader and not necessarily the skill of the writer right yeah which makes it really hard as the writer to care (laughs) about (laughs) like just because every reading experience is so personal um and you're exactly right if somebody is picking up a book hoping for the book to be a strawberry but it turns out to be an apple that's not my fault I don't I don't know what to tell you. I'm yeah. sorry. You, you, yeah. you didn't get a strawberry, I, you know? Um, <laughs> yeah. Th- somewhere else that I feel like I'm very aware of when it comes to pacing as a reader, and, and this can help me as a writer, is um, understanding the different things that hook me as a reader, which sometimes it is character, sometimes it is the stakes and the plot. Sometimes it is the action on the page um, or, or the uh, 
the speed at which, you know, plot points and emotions and turning points are unfolding, but it's also often prose. I will stick around with a quote, slow book. If the prose is wonderful and clever and, and doing something, um, something interesting. Um, and I'm trying to think of examples off the top of my head. Um, but I, I immediately thought about, um, problematic favorite of mine, sorry, but, um, a series of unfortunate events by Lemony Snicket. Those Mm -hmm. books, like if you actually write out the plot points, there's not a whole lot that goes on per book, but the language makes up for it because the language is part of the package. You can't really enjoy those books just for the plot. Like if you came for the plot with a series of unfortunate events, you're going to be very disappointed, but you're there for the clever narrator talking directly to you and all the funny little twisted, hidden, funny grammar jokes and, and um, allusions and, and different things that are, that are there. So um with my next middle grade coming out, the patron thief of bread, you know, it's a hundred thousand words. That's long for any book. And it's long for a middle grade. And it was a concern of mine that it was long, but when I thought about what I would have to cut in order to get it down to a more respectable middle grade length, whatever that means, um, it would mean losing a lot of, a lot of not just like scenes that were important to me, but prose that was important to me because there are a lot of scenes in that book that like, could I have whittled them down and made this tiny little book that was very breakneck? Yeah, I could have, but it would have missed the whole feel of the book that I wanted, which was, yeah, something more, something slower, but something that pulls you in with the prose. Hmm. So again, like compensation, like if you're going to be slower with your action and your plot, then what are you using to make up for it? Is it heightened emotions? Is it a super, um, like emotional, uh, plot situation that your characters are in? Um, Mm -hmm. cause like a breakneck speed with a super, like watching a character go through a particular trauma feels awful to read, (laughs) but like, right. So like, you probably don't want to have both in, in the same story or the same book. So it's like, it's like, if you look at a switchboard or a soundboard and there's all these different levels, like they can't all be pushed up to 10. Yeah, exactly. You have a few about, that are, yeah. Yeah. It's about creating some kind of a, a good mix, a good balance. Yep. And yeah. the cool thing is from book to book, you get to wipe that slate clean and do it all over again. Mm. Like just because your settings are set for one book or even one chapter, like it doesn't mean that that is forever your setting. Yeah. And actually you don't, you're totally right. You don't want every chapter to have the same settings because then it starts to feel kind of repetitive. Whereas if you have like, oh, this is a really fast chapter. This is a bit of a slower chapter. This is a chapter where everyone's getting their bearings. This is a chapter where something huge and disastrous happens, whether that's on an emotional level or like literally a boulder coming through the wall or whatever it is. Yeah, you need that variety. Yeah. I'm still learning. I'm I'm definitely still learning about pacing in my own writing. Yeah. Well, so, but I also yeah, think it's all really interesting. No, see, I think that you are like me though that you have this instinctive way of writing pace of pacing your books because you because you take in a lot of stories. 
I don't think pacing is something that you can learn just by writing and, and mm. having an editor say, oh, pacing is off here. Um, I truly think the only way to develop your own sense of pacing in your work is actually by consuming lots of stories mm. and not even breaking them apart and being like, huh, what made the mummy paced so well? It wasn't just the action. It was the tension between Rick O'Connell and, and Evie. Like it's not, you don't even have to analyze it. You just have to like take in a lot of stories. Right. Yeah. Because I love that Joan Didion quote. Um, she says that grammar is an instrument I play by ear because I think that's, it's the same thing. It's like story grammar. Yeah. Um, yep. That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. You kind of learn to play it by ear and to feel, you kind of start to feel a bit like itchy, like, oh, this is too, too slow. Something needs to happen. Something yep. needs to happen now. Exactly. Yeah. And again, yeah. because pacing is about the experience of the reader, I think mm-hmm. you then need to learn it by being a reader. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Take that, that so reviewers sense. who want to say that things are paced <laughs> slowly has nothing uh, to do with we, me, <laughs> but we love you reviewers. Keep we do books. Be kind we to will us. Probably not be reading the reviews, but no. other people need to read. Them. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. I don't know. It's just interesting. Like it is one of those things that feels instinctive to me, but also feels like almost none of my business in some ways. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's nice. It's none of my business. <laughs> I don't know what to think about it. <laughs> Maybe I'll that's me that just like time. writing it off. <laughs> No, but I think, I think, you're right. I think so much of it has to do with the perception or the experience, the reader's experience, which is not something you have any control over. Yeah. Um, but obviously when we're writing, we try to control the things that we can control and then let the stuff that we can't control go because yeah. we can't control it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and one thing that you can control on a very practical level, I think is making sure that your marketing copy matches the actual book that is going to be <laughs> released to the world right. just because if when, well when I think about every time as a reader I've sat down thinking I was going to read a strawberry but I actually had an apple it was because it was promised mm-hmm. to me as a strawberry and then right. when I read it I'm like uh why was this pitched as and marketed as uh, like a, a high-paced fantasy when it's actually a romance like just tell me it's mm-hmm. a romance like just mm-hmm. tell me so that I'm not disappointed so I mean again not something you always have control over and maybe but maybe not something that you always know to look for if you're traditionally published to like see like hey what exactly what genre do you think this book is and how are you pushing <laughs> this book and and you know to look at the jacket copy and just make sure Um, Mm. you know, if it's, if it's being advertised as something high action and high energy, when you maybe know that it isn't, that Mm. could probably save a lot of broken hearts (laughs) 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 to just make sure that it matches. So that's something practical that you can do. That's not, that has nothing to do with pacing actually, but just has everything to do with making sure that people, that readers know what to expect when they pick up your book. Yeah. Which is half the battle with pacing, I think. Thank you so much for listening to Story of the Book. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend. Or give us a rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time, stay safe and keep writing. 
Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>